Well, it's great to be here with you. It's great to be worshiping with you. And man, this has just been a, a huge week in a number of ways. We've, uh, we've had some, well, we've had some nicer weather. That's been nice, right? And uh, we've been able to at least pick up a little bit of sunshine here and there. And over the weekend, we just had an awesome weekend of rallying together for Compassion Day. And uh, so how many of you were a part of Compassion Day over the weekend? All right, you give me a hands up. Give me an applause. How many of you were a part of it? Awesome. Awesome. It's like a schoolyard, right? And, uh, all right. It's great to have you guys, man, and it's great to be a part of celebrating together as family when we do that. And, and uh, let's just throw the image up here. And uh, this is the team that went out. We had uh, over 900 that signed up. I'm not sure how many showed up, but over 900 that signed up. And uh, man, that is a lot of blue shirts, right? Amen. Amen. So for those of you who don't know what this is, uh, we rally together once a year, and uh, we always kind of bring it together for one purpose, to get the love of Jesus Christ pouring into us, and then we take it to the streets. And so we were hooked up with 34 different organizations throughout the area. That includes some individuals who had a lot going on in their homes where they needed some help and care there. And so 34 different locations where we went out and we did whatever was needed. And uh, that might include mulching or putting some flower beds in or washing some things down. It might include some painting of some walls. It might include actually sharing the gospel and walking through some details with that. Uh, whatever God has in store, that's what we go to be part of. And uh, super cool to be able to be a part of it with you guys. Love to see the energy in the room before we did the send-off. That's where that picture came from. And uh, as we rallied it all together here, and we could barely fit you into these two middle sections all the way to the back, which is uh, a great turnout, and uh, love being able to be a part of that and see God move through your lives. Here's the deal. We also said, hey man, check it out, hashtag Compassion Day 2017. You know for some of you, it's the first time you've ever hashtagged in your life, <laughs> right? And uh, but hashtag Compassion Day 2017. And uh, if you want to track some of those photos online, a bunch of different people did that. So uh, feel free to do that, whether it be through Twitter or Facebook or whatever. You can track those and uh, just catch some of the different things that were going on throughout the day. And uh, you might be like, man, I missed it. And uh, A, I'm not sure how. We've been talking about it for a month. But man, I missed it. And I'd love to be a part of the next one. And just so you know, it is always... Everybody say always. always. It is always the first Saturday in May, okay? So set your calendars. We'll see you there, May 2018, right? And uh, exciting time to be a part of, and I love just seeing this church rally together every year. We try to do something big every quarter with the church, and uh, that's kind of our spring thing is getting it together and going out into the body or into the community and making an impact. May God get all the glory. And uh, that is so what it's about. And uh, our send-off at the end there as we came from Colossians 3 was simply this. Um, work heartily, uh, which literally means pour your whole soul into it. That's the literal in the original language. Pour your whole soul into serving. Not that you get noticed, but that Christ gets all the glory. And all of God's people said, Amen. and uh, so love you guys. Great to be a part of that. And uh, man, as you walk through being a part of something like that and you miss out on it, 
it can often kind of stir a, I don't know why I skipped it, or I wish I had been there when, and, and uh, actually we're going to be looking at a passage today that's so much about that topic, and uh, so do this. Turn with me, if you will, to John chapter 20, starting in verse 24. John chapter 20, starting in verse 24. And uh, we're in a series here, that you may have life, that you may have life. And as we walk through this series, we're walking through John chapters 20 and 21, just the end of the Gospel of John, as he's packing together the story of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then he ends up saying, hey, just so you know, man, this isn't just some story. This is totally to be understood, accepted, and believed. It is true. And so John ends up packing in sort of an approach of like a courtroom setting. And he's bringing testimony of person after person after person. And each person is high in character. They were well respected in the community. Each person was uh, a personal eyewitness to what was going on. They saw Jesus Christ after he rose from the dead. They were there. They laughed with him. They talked with him. They were there. They were eyewitnesses, and so super high caliber in the character, and they were there with Jesus Christ afterwards. They were an eyewitness as the physical evidence was revealed to them, and then they became a testimonial evidence of it. And so the testimony that they share out, they were willing to die for this testimony. Jesus Christ, he is alive, and all of God's people said... Man, as we walk through this, we're just hearing different facets, different stories of how Christ revealed himself out to the witnesses, to the testimony. This one is to Thomas, to Thomas, and he actually, um, well, he missed out on the first event, and uh, he wasn't there when the disciples met Jesus Christ, and so as it's shared out with him, he's like, I'm not sure it was all that great, I missed out, I'm not sure, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. And uh, in fact, that's where we get the phrase, doubting Thomas, right? And uh, so that's what's going on. We're going to see Thomas move from doubting to belief today, and he's going to share his testimony. And uh, remember, this is like a court of law as John is walking it through. So, Your Honor, we call to the witness stand, Thomas. And uh, that's how we're walking through this, right? So here we go. Point number one, uh, witness called. Thomas was able to physically verify the wounds in Jesus' physical body. Thomas was able to physically verify the wounds in Jesus' physical body. It starts out, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the marks of the nails, and place my finger from the mark of the nails, and place my hand uh, into his side, I will never believe. Um, That's Thomas's initial position, right? And so it starts out, now, Thomas, one of the twelve, he was one of the apostles, one of the disciples who hung with Jesus Christ. He walked with him and talked with him. He heard him teach. He watched him move for years He saw Jesus Christ as this amazing answer. But then all of a sudden, it all went south. And Jesus was taken captive, and he was whipped, and he was beaten, and he was mocked, 
and he was murdered, crucified on a cross. He saw the nails put into his hands. He saw them at the end, not sure if he was still alive, stick a spear into his side looking for something to come out. And water is what came out, a proof that he was gone. Jesus Christ had died. And uh, Thomas, he was there for that. And he's like rocked to the core along with all the other disciples. And uh, remember the disciples had gathered together earlier and Jesus came and visited them. That's the passage right before this that we were looking at last week. Thomas called the twin, apparently had a twin uh, as a relation to him. And uh, it says, was not with them when Jesus came. Where was he? Yeah, we don't know. And Scripture doesn't say, and just so you know, when Scripture stays silent on something, probably means not that important, move on, right? When Scripture's addressing it, that's when we really want to dig in, and when Scripture's saying silent on it, then we're going ahead and saying, okay, we don't know exactly why he wasn't there, but he wasn't there, and uh, so we can move on with it. Uh, For some reason, he wasn't with them when Jesus came, so the other disciples told him, And just so you know, in the original language, this is actually in what they call the imperfect form. It's the ongoing. They were telling and telling and telling. They wouldn't shut up. That's what it means. They were telling and telling and telling and telling and telling. And there's a point where Thomas was getting quite a bit fed up with hearing the story over and over again. They had one simple story. We have seen the Lord. Can you imagine how that goes? Like they were stunned. They were blown away. They've seen God. They've seen Jesus Christ. He's alive. He is risen. They're super passionate about it. They're excited about it. They're not walking in and they're like, hey, Thomas, what's up? Oh, yeah, hey, something happened today. Right? That's not, everybody's saying not that. Right? They're like, Thomas, where were you? Dude, you totally missed out. We saw the Lord. And he's like, the Lord who? Right? What are you talking about? And we saw the Lord. He is risen. And no. What do you mean no? Like, can you imagine that moment? We saw the Lord. No, you didn't. <laughs> Thomas, I knew I never liked you. <laughs> right? There's a moment where you're like, come on, man, what do you mean you're not buying what I'm telling you? I'm telling you we were right there. We saw him. We talked to him. He showed us his wounds. We were there, man. You've got to believe it. And he's like, yeah, no. No, thanks. I appreciate what you're sharing. No. And uh, so they said, we have seen the Lord over and over and over and over. They said that. He said to them. Unless I see in his hands the marks of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. In other words, dude, talk to the hand. Stop with it. I'm telling you this. I absolutely am telling. It says unless. In other words, the next few things I tell you are absolutely required for my belief. Thomas may not even know himself. We'll talk about why I say that in just a little bit. But unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails, I need to see proof that it's him, proof that he was crucified. But more than that, I need to see 
where the spear went into the side. Because I need to see that it's the one where they tried to prove that he had died. You see, it's really important that you understand they didn't break the bones of Jesus. That actually fulfills prophecy from the Old Testament. And so in order to make sure he was dead and they were like, you know, normally they would break the bones and then let them. I mean, this is horrible, but as they broke the bones, the guy would not be able to push up anymore and he would suffocate out. And that would normally be how they would manage the end of a crucifixion. But things were coming to an end and they needed to close it down fast. And so they're like, just figure it out. I, I think he has. And so they stuck a spear into his side and ended up seeing just water come out and proof that he had passed away. And so they didn't break any bones and they didn't go through any of that. And the prophecy was fulfilled. And uh, hey, by the way, God knows what he's doing. And all of God's people said, Amen. right? And uh, so Thomas is like, I'm going to need to see that proof. That's what I'm going to need to see. And uh, I'm going to need to be able to hear the words now. I'm going to be able to see in his hands and place my finger into the marks and place my hand. See and place and place. Don't forget those words. Hang on. It's coming up in just a moment. He said, uh, I'm going to need to see those things. Or I will never believe. And, uh, unbelief. What causes unbelief? So I just wrote this down. Two things that causes unbelief. Ready? Number one, an inability to see reality. An inability to see reality. That's going to cause a high unbelief. I'm not seeing what's actually going on. Thomas is not aware of, he is not seeing Jesus Christ alive, and it's a real problem to him. An inability to see reality. Uh, but here's a bigger one. Or an unwillingness to accept reality. Cause of unbelief. An unwillingness to accept reality. And uh, Man, if you're wrestling with unbelief, it's one of those two. Lord, help me see reality. Or, Lord, help me in my unwillingness. Why do I not want to see reality? And unbelief. Thomas is wrestling with it. He's probably got a combination of both of these going on. There's some things he cannot see, and there's certainly at some levels an unwillingness in the midst. Just, uh, I'm not going to get drawn into this thing. And uh, Thomas, this is doubting Thomas, Right? And uh, they talked to him. Remember, Jesus Christ was crucified. And, and a few days later, on the first day of the week, they come to the tomb and the tomb is rolled open. He is gone. Then he ends up meeting with several others. He meets with Mary. He ends up meeting with the disciples. That's all on that first day of the week, okay? So it's been just a few days after Jesus was crucified. Just a couple of days later, boom, there's several people meeting with him. They end up coming to Thomas. They're telling him, like all day long they're telling him, I'm telling you, we saw Jesus Christ. He's alive. He is risen. Look at the next sentence. Eight days later. Everybody say, that's a long time. You're like, really, eight days doesn't seem like a long time. Really? Have you ever wanted something and then had to wait for it for like one minute? And that was like, this is killing me, right? Or maybe an hour 
or a day. It's like this countdown when you're coming up to Christmas and you have little kids, right? And you've got the little calendar thing or whatever you're doing to kind of point out what's happening. Man, those times just seem to slow down to a grinding halt in the midst of it. And eight days later, this is eight days of their like, Thomas, seriously, we saw the Lord. And every time it's, uh-uh, you're not moving me. Stop with it. No, I'm not hearing it. Like that's going kind of on consistently. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. So this time is the same setup as last time. They're inside, notice the word, again, right? And, and so this is just like last time. The disciples are hanging out. This time, Thomas is with, him, uh, with them. It doesn't exactly say why he's with them this time or why he wasn't last time, but Thomas is with them, and it says, although the doors were locked. Does that sound familiar? Right? And so as we walked this passage prior last week, it's the exact same setup. The disciples were together. The doors were locked. Now the disciples are together with Thomas. Everybody say, with Thomas. With Thomas. And the doors are again locked. It says, Jesus came and stood among them. So again, we ask the question, how? How did he do that? Does he have a key to the room as well? They're like, hey, Jesus, you may need this extra key. And like, is that what it is? Or is it like, hey, he knows a locksmith. Hey, can you help me out? The door's locked. I need to get in from the outside. Will you help me? And, and, or is it like he's breaking in? And no, man, this is that moment, just like last time, we're seeing the expression and the statement of this. Jesus Christ is risen, and he now has this glorified body. There's something amazing going on with this body. We can barely understand what's taking place. And what Jesus Christ has in this glorified body as he is resurrected from the dead. Man, there's a statement about life and life eternal. And most even believe there's a statement about the resurrected body that we're going to be having in some way. And Jesus Christ has this resurrected glorified body. He's able to just pass through. We don't understand what that means in detail. We don't need to understand it. Just know this. God's got a plan. Everybody just say that with me. God's got a plan. And he's living it out right here in front of him. Jesus Christ is like, hang on, I've got to go through this locked door, right? And so Jesus came and stood among them, and he said, peace be with you. Does this sound familiar at all? Right? This is the same story as last time, but now with Thomas, he comes in and peace be with you. And just so you know, that word peace be with you, that phrase, that actually is a phrase that's like hello, right? And uh, the Hebrew would typically say shalom, and it's just that. It means hello. And uh, it can mean a lot more than that, though. And Jesus Christ, he is the author and perfecter of our faith. He brings peace. And now Jesus Christ, yes, he is saying a stock standard hello, as he says Peace be with you. And so much more as he's like, I've gone to the cross and I've died. I have risen from the dead. I have covered it all. It is finished. Peace be with you. I've got this thing covered, man. And Jesus Christ, he's making more than just a hello statement. He's making a rock-solid spiritual statement in the midst as well. And then he says to Thomas, get ready. He gives him five commands. Put your finger here. See my hands and put out your hand. Place in my side. Put and see 
and place. Remember, Thomas like, I oh, know, I'm going to have to see his hands, and I'm going to have to put my finger there, and I'm going to have to put my hand there. And so Jesus walks in and says, hey, Thomas, uh, memo for you. Put your fingers here and see my hands. Can you imagine? You get about that far in, and then, wouldn't it be a moment? You're Thomas. You're like, all right, who told him? <laughs> who told him what I've been saying? Somebody outed me, and now I'm like in trouble with Jesus, Right? What's going on, and how did this come about? And don't forget, Jesus is also God, knows exactly what Thomas needs. And he's meeting him right at his point of unbelief, right? And he says, put your finger here. And in this moment, the risen Savior is walking someone from unbelief to belief. Jesus Christ is saying to Thomas, hang on, come with me on a little journey right now, right here. I'm telling you, I am going to rock your world in about five seconds. Put your finger here. See my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. And then he gives two last commands. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And uh, as he gives this command out, he is literally saying, it is time to set down what you have been unwilling to embrace. It is time for you to start to realize, Thomas, who I am, that I exist, that I am real, that I am alive. There is authority and power in me. Get ready, bro. I am going to rock your world right now. Do not disbelieve, but believe. I am calling you to set down the things that seem so hard to embrace and grasp it. Notice it says right after it, Thomas answered him. Notice what it says he did. It doesn't say that Thomas went over and looked closely and touched. It doesn't say he put his fingers there. It doesn't say he put his hand there. It says, Thomas answered. That's all it says. Like, and we're going to look a little deeper. We're going to see it saying something else in the next point. He literally is like, Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Put your hand in my side. And in that moment where Thomas is like, who told him? The next moment as he now turns and looks close is like, who told him? Who told Jesus Christ? Who told the one who's alive? Who told the one who's standing in my presence? And he answers out, my Lord and my God. You're alive. It doesn't say that he went over and he touched him. It says that right there in that moment as Jesus Christ offered it up, he believed. Thomas is moved from unbelief to belief. Literally, my Lord and my God, hear this part, my personal, deeply personal 
Your God knows you. He knows every facet of you. He knows the weak spots and the strong spots. He knows what you're wrestling with. He knows exactly where the unbelief may start. He knows you. And he loves you. And he's calling you from unbelief to belief. My Lord and my God. He is your personal God that you can know deeply and richly with all you've got. Do you believe? Right? And then notice he says, my Lord and my God. He's like, you are supreme authority. You're in charge of the universe. My God. Man, I'm telling you, this was the moment where Jesus Christ, if he is not God, needed to say, whoa, 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 whoa. Now, don't go over the top here. I know this is a big deal, but I am not God. If he doesn't correct it, it's heresy or it's truth. So for all those who say Jesus Christ never claimed to be God, I'm telling you in this moment, Thomas says, you are God. And Jesus is like, that's true. Like, We're not going to deny that one. Absolutely rock solid. Yes. Now you're beginning to believe. Thomas is coming across Jesus Christ just a moment ago was a prophet, a hope. I thought maybe the Messiah, but he's dead. He's gone. Jesus is all of a sudden in Thomas's presence now become, you are the living God of the universe. You are my Lord. I am in. You are alive. And I am stunned. My Lord and my God. Thomas has moved from unbelief to belief. And uh, in a huge moment there. Look, man, belief is something we toy with, um, especially in America. We've kind of really wrecked the word, quite frankly. I'm just going to be blunt. Right? The word nowadays means somehow you've thought about things. What do you believe? And it's like a mental ascent of things. It's a, a think about things. But that's not belief. Everybody say that's not belief. No, belief is so much deeper. It's so much richer, all right? And so let's just do a little illustrate to try to get the point across. Pastor Mike, I'm going to call you up. And uh, why don't you stand beside me here, bro? I picked somebody who's bigger than me for this illustration, which isn't hard, actually. There's I'm a little person. But I picked somebody bigger than me. And uh, Mike, you're going to carry my weight, all right? So you, you're Jesus. Congratulations. All right, so this is not belief. Everybody say not. not. This is not belief. Right, I see you're here. I see you exist. This is not belief. Belief is this, ready? This is belief. Get ready to hold me, bro. <laughs> this is belief. My whole weight, my whole weight is on you. You have me, right? Yeah. My whole weight is on you. I am leaning in with all I've got. I am leaning in with all my weight. This is belief. My Lord and my God, I am leaning in and I'm trusting with all I've got. Are you leaning in with all your weight to Jesus Christ? Thanks, bro. Amen.
That's belief. Dude, it is so much more than just I think. It is making sure that you're living it out with a total dependence on him. I believe. My Lord and my God. Notice that as he declares these things out, Romans 10, 9 says that if you believe that Jesus is risen from the dead and you confess him as Lord, you will be saved. And Thomas is like, my Lord, he's confessing him as Lord, and my God, like you are alive, you are risen, you are here. He believes and he confesses and he has been moved from unbelief to belief as he puts his weight on Jesus Christ with all he's got. Do you believe? Are you in? With your whole weight in. That's saved. Point number two. Now, Thomas believed by seeing, but point number two will say, believe without seeing. There is a special blessing and guaranteed eternal life. Believe without seeing. There is a special blessing and guaranteed eternal life. We start out in verse 29. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen me? Now think about it. You're Thomas and you're being asked this question. Have you believed because you have seen me? And the answer to that question is, uh, yes. In fact, I had witnesses and testimony all week long. I was trying to tell them to please kindly shut up. Right? Yes. I believe only because I've seen you here. I, I, I believe. And uh, have you believed because you have seen me? Yeah. Jesus answered to him, blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. And just so you know, this is you and me. We have the privilege of being able to believe without seeing and coming with that is a blessing, it says. What's this blessing like? I don't know. I would love to be able to go into a dissertation right now of all that it is, but we don't know. Here's what we do know, that by leaning on him in the midst of it, he ends up revealing out or doing more in some way that so certainly locks in your faith. There's, there's something going on as you trust in the one you have not yet seen and yet you believe. Blessed are you. If you believe he is risen from the dead and yet have not seen, man, there is hope, rich, deep hope as we trust in him and have faith in him. And, uh, how in the world do I go about believing when I haven't seen? All right, here we go. I just put these words down. Steps to believing without seeing him physically. Steps to believing without seeing him physically. Number one, long to believe. Long for it. Uh, like, God, I really do want to believe. 
Right? Or as the scripture says, Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. Like, take me and move me forward. I long to be moved to full belief. I long for it. I long to believe. That's the first step. Lord, I'm seriously in on this. I would love to be in that spot. Long to believe. Number two, be humble. Be humble. I know that I am not God, and I believe that you are God, and I am not in charge. You are. Right? This is going to be a really important step. Be humble. Be able to set down the demanding and the commanding and simply cry out, Lord, I long to believe. I'm humble in this. You're in charge. Number three, be real. Be real. Lord, here is my struggle. This is what I'm wrestling with. Now, please hear me. If you set down the be humble and pick up the be proud, this starts to become accusation against God Almighty. God, this is my problem with you. And this is what you're going to need to answer if. Hopefully you hear the pride in that. If you're like, that sounds like a really solid question. Dude, we need to talk afterwards. Okay? That is not the approach to God. Our approach to God is not, you owe me. Now come answer. Everybody say, not that. Humbly. God, you owe nothing. And you are in charge. And I would love to be able to meet you as you are. Here's what I'm struggling with. And I'm laying it before you. I'm just getting real. This is what I'm wrestling with, God. And I lay it before you. Long to believe, be humble, be real. And then the fourth piece, be a student. Be a student, man. Listen well, learn well. Spend time in God's word where he's revealing out who he is and take it to heart. Spend time throughout your day listening to the Holy Spirit conviction as he's shaping you. We're told in John 16, the Spirit convicts of sin and righteousness and judgment. He comes in and he comforts. Man, let the Holy Spirit move in your life. Hear him shape you. Take the conviction coming and heed it and respond to it. Spend time in God's word listening and seeing Lord, I long to know you as this God. And watch God remove the blinders of unbelief. I'm telling you, his word will rock you. His Holy Spirit moving in this world will rock you. And even number three, watch the timing and the coincidence. This other part of our being a student. Watch as he absolutely takes in hand all of the circumstances of your life and he begins to set them up in a way where you're like, what a coincidence. Just so you know, the word coincidence is our attempt at trying to explain events that come together without a God. But in fact, God is in it. And see God moving in the circumstances of your life and watch him shaping your life. Watch him directing you right up to the precipice of this is where my unbelief is totally a problem. And he'll walk you right across that line into belief. Hear me, man. Your God knows you. 
and he loves you. He's willing to pour into your life with everything you need. Lean on him with your whole weight. Yes, time in the word. Yes, time where the Holy Spirit is wrecking you and moving you and shaping you. Yes, time where the consequences and the circumstances of life are shaping your life. Be a student. God is revealing who he is. Watch him work. And all of God's people said, I'm telling you, man, without seeing, we can believe. And there is blessing to those who believe, who lean on Jesus Christ with their whole weight. Are you leaning on him even though you haven't seen him? All right. The next piece here. It says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. And I love that statement. John has been recording for 20 chapters and he's like, Man, there was a lot I didn't write down, right? Wow, God has blown me away with his greatness. And there's so much I didn't record. In fact, there's uh, dozens and dozens and dozens of other miracles that are recorded in the other gospels that aren't even in recorded in the Gospel of John. Uh, but John did record some of them, seven to be exact. It says, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. These are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. These seven miracles are recorded that you might grasp the greatness of Jesus Christ. And uh, what are the seven miracles? Let's just walk them real fast. If you want to write them, you can. If you just want to listen, you can. These are super easy to find. You can just get on the web and Google seven miracles in the Gospel of John, and they'll pop up, all right? And, uh, but here we go. Uh, number one, he turned water to wine, John chapter two. He turned water into wine, basically making the statement, yes, I have authority in this physical world. He turned water into wine. Uh, he healed an official son. A major moment as he brought healing to a sick person. It was a temporary sickness, but it's one that could take a life. And he healed that son. That's John chapter 4. And he's healed this uh, physical sickness. Then he healed the paralytic. Now we're not into just temporary sickness, but like long-term or permanent illness. He healed the paralytic. That's the third one, John chapter 5. And uh, the fourth one. He feeds 5,000 people with a lot less than should feed 5,000 people, right? And as he feeds the 5,000 people, there's a statement being made about, from me I create from nothing something, and from something I can create way something more. I have huge authority in this physical world. And he feeds the 5,000. Number five, he walks on water. He's beginning to defy all things physical that we know of. Gravity doesn't play a part. Surface tension of water does not play a part. Jesus Christ is in charge. Everybody say he is in charge. Man, and his experience, uh, the experience they have with him is being elevated higher and higher and higher. And then Jesus heals a blind man. You see, there's something about physical illness, that's one thing, but blindness, this actually causes you to not understand and not see and 
Jesus begins to heal the blind, he ends up showing them, I have authority even over understanding, over insight, over, yes, the physical, and yes, how it affects the heart, and this huge statement going on about his authority in this world. And then number seven, Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. And uh, John chapter 11, healing the blind man was John chapter 9. And uh, man, those are seven powerful miracles as John is like, all right, all right, all right. I want you to believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. So let me just introduce to you in an ever-increasing scale the power and authority of Jesus Christ. And as he elevates it up, he gets to a point where he's like, do you see? Do you see what I'm seeing? This is the God I know. This is the one who speaks and it exists, who takes this physical world and moves it. And things happen. He can work with our hearts. He can work with our bodies. He's in charge. Death has no authority. My God reigns. His name is Jesus Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. And he rules over all. And all of God's people said, Amen, man. Amen. Do you believe? He says flat out, these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name, that you may have life. And that's the name of the sermon series, that you may have life. These things have been written and recorded that we might be blown away by the awesomeness of Jesus Christ. And then the exclamation point on the seven miracles is an eighth one where Jesus rises from the dead. And he's like, and that's what I'm talking about. That's the authority I'm putting in place. I'm God Almighty. I'm over it all. God in the flesh. Fully God, fully man, our hope. Do you believe without seeing? Do you believe in the Almighty King and in his name? Man, please hear me. The witness has taken the stand, and his name is Thomas. And he has declared out, my Lord and my God, as he has seen. And then Jesus Christ declares out to you and to me right here today, believe without seeing, and there is unbelievable blessing. There is reward in that. Trust me and walk with me on this journey from unbelief to belief, and I will rock your world. Are you in? Do you believe? Are you leaning on him with your whole weight? Man, don't exit this room today without having put an anchor down in Jesus Christ and leaning on him with all you've got. That is our hope. Let's pray.